0: Welcome to Face to Face. We're back again for another interesting interview with Rebecca Zach, and she's a teacher, she's a filmmaker, uh, an artist uh, and a child advocate apparently and I'm going to ask her a little bit more about that uh, in the next few minutes and she's working on a PhD but also on a film uh, currently called Raising Creativity. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, David. Oh,
0: you're welcome. So so I just watched the film on YouTube. You could get. To, do you want to tell us what the, uh, the web address is for the film clip? We'll probably get to that again a little bit later. But how can people access what you've already um, filmed?
1: It's on a website called RaisingCreativity.com. And the YouTube video is on that website, and so it's embedded from YouTube. So you can actually go to YouTube and type in Raising Creativity, and you'd find it there too. And
0: from a from a PhD perspective, this is really interesting because you're not actually writing your PhD. Well, I guess you are writing your PhD, you're, but you're writing it on film.
1: Yeah, so I have to come up with a script. So there's definitely a ton of writing involved, but then yeah. I also have to consider the visual side. So it's kind of like visual scripting as well, Yeah. Um, and then sound scripting and everything that goes into uh, a video, right?
0: So I don't know a lot of, I mean, I know a few PhDs and I'm hoping to do one myself in the near future, or at least Mm -hmm. start the Mm -hmm. beginning of one. I don't know a whole lot of people who have actually filmed a PhD. Tell me a little bit about that. Did you have to wrestle (laughs) your your advisors uh, into agreeing to that or how Uh, how did that play
1: out? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I am my own best advocate, that's for sure. I've sort of been fighting this whole way because I have a strong belief that the academy, um, it's it's a dinosaur. It hasn't changed in I don't know how many decades, and so I, we're in the 21st century. And I just couldn't see myself sitting down to write a 300-page document that's going to sit on some shelf in some library and never get read. It's a whole lot of work if no one's ever going to read it. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I mean, we're in the age of distribution and dissemination. So why wouldn't I capitalize on that?
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 And it'll be fun. Yeah. And so you've, so I watched part two, is that right?
1: You watched part one.
0: I watched part one of five parts of your your documentary, but of your PhD as well, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's been fun. Yeah. It's been enjoyable and it's been... Um, it's been different, which I think is what is sort of propelling me. I think that not knowing what's going to happen is kind of fun. And right, right. Yeah, because there's, there's,
0: there's a structure. There's probably a framework, but you haven't got it all teased out. I mean, you don't have every shot framed or every... Yeah shot storyboarded, I would imagine, especially in the context of a documentary, right? Things are just kinda happening.
1: Exactly. So Mm -hmm. it keeps me on my toes, keeps me interested in my own work. Which sometimes doesn't you know, it's hard it's hard to have that when you spend four or five years in a PhD program. So what
0: do you mean that you're you said you're a child advocate. What does that mean? So you're a teacher. I would say most teachers are probably child advocates, but it sounds like you mean something
1: else. Um yeah, so what I mean is my research is, it's art-based research, obviously, because it's a documentary, it's very visual, but it's grounded in what's called unschooling theory. So unschooling is the idea that mainstream schooling may be deficient, or in fact, it would say it is deficient. And so if mainstream schooling is deficient, then we have to look at reasons why that may be, or how the mainstream system maybe doesn't um, prepare learners appropriately, or or how the mainstream system even wounds students. Right. Um, And I think that if we're all really honest with ourselves, and I'm really honest with myself as a teacher and with my own history as a student, I think we can all take a look back and and realize in small ways or in large ways how the system has not benefited us, how the system has harmed us in certain ways. And um, me being an art teacher, I see every single day how the system has wounded children's creativity because we put all kinds of parameters on their learning and so they're very much boxed in and they're not free to just you know blue sky things and and be wild and crazy and imaginative and, and like children often are so but aren't,
0: isn't that how school starts like at kindergarten isn't that what kindergarten's all about supposedly that kind of splashing paint on. on on paper and walking through paint and you know handprints and those kinds of things building blocks and and so on or 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 i think
1: i think that that's sort of a romanticized vision Mm -hmm. of what kindergarten is i think that um well here in ontario we have full-day kindergarten coming in which is designed to be much more of that um you know very play, very very play-based where the teaching is structured around what the kids are interested in as opposed to Um, the kids have to accommodate what the curriculum already has laid out for them. Right. But let me get back to your question about being a child advocate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think I quite answered that fully. Um, To me, being a child advocate is recognizing that kids are 100% human beings. And Hmm. as as weird as that sounds, um, it's very easy to, as a teacher or as an adult or as a parent, to take advantage of... power that we have as adults we're we're older we can manipulate any situation um, and teachers do it's there's no question teachers do do that and I could do that and I have done that for sure um, but I try to be constantly mindful of that that I don't use my power to for my own benefit and not to theirs
0: do you mean, um, so, so Elizabeth, my wife is a teacher and yeah. you know, we'll have these conversations of, I think school's way too structured. Um, so yeah. I'm a, I'm Absolutely. a crummy, I'm a crummy mathematician. <laughs> I don't like graphs. I don't like numbers. I mean, geometry is kind of interesting to me, but I've never liked the whole idea of the formula, you know, like two yeah. plus two equals five as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, um, so Victoria, who my daughter who's five is in. I guess, senior kindergarten, and she was starting to work on some mathematical stuff. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I wouldn't say, to say I was outraged would be a bit of a stretch, but I was a bit annoyed. Yeah. What do you mean you're doing math already? Now, you know, it was one banana, two banana kind of thing, mm-hmm. but still, is that necessary at such a young age to be already talking about like nine to fiveing our kids in a way? Is that sort of what you're against?
1: Uh, yeah. If you ask yeah. me, I don't yeah. think it's necessary. I think that...
0: So we're not treating them as, as 100% human beings. When we do that. When we when we
1: well, I think that I think that what unschooling suggests is that, or believes, is that when I say a whole human being, Mm. I'm talking so I'm taking a very holistic stance. Right. Right? So that, for example, um, let's say that you let's just take the math example, David. If you don't know how to do some sort of a math thing, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> how you're really going to learn it. And there's
0: many that I don't know how to do, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we,
1: yeah all, me too, all of us, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, Or there's stuff that I've learned that I don't know anymore, so did not yeah. really ever know it? Yeah. I don't know. Right. But right. Um, So let's say that you're going to learn some sort of math formula for yeah. some purpose. Yeah. Yeah. You can sit down and you can open a book and you can learn it, or you can nowadays open up a YouTube video and learn it, you can teach yourself, but you're not really going to learn it. If someone is coercing you to learn it. Right. So if, if someone is telling you, you know, you really need to learn this right now because one day you're going to need it. There's that as opposed to you being in the moment, um, actually in context, needing that skill and learning it because you need this skill right now to do whatever it is that you're motivated to do. Yeah. yeah. And so for Victoria adding bananas, you can. She can have a handout or a workbook and yeah. add bananas, yeah. or she can go to the store and, you know, be in the grocery store with bananas and say how many, whatever, whatever. Do you see yeah, what I'm so saying? Yeah, so it's like,
0: contextualized then in a, it's, yeah, it's almost, It yeah. makes
1: sense to real life. So, yeah. for, so I guess what I'm saying is that, like, for me to be a child advocate is I don't want to be the teacher that forces kids to do stuff, and it creates a lot of tension for me in my job because I have a curriculum that suggests that kids need to learn stuff
0: right right. so
1: yeah it's a bit of me being creative with how um how we get stuff done so that I can fulfill my obligations but at the same time fulfill my moral obligations to the kids
0: it sounds like um this idea of being a child advocate or or this whole notion of unschooling is pretty wise to me but at the same time, almost an impossible journey. I mean, <laughs> how, you know, what did Yoda say? you got to unlearn what you've learned. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what he meant to Luke. Yeah. Right? You got to, you got to let go of all that other nonsense that you've You thought was about being human and I'm going to reteach you about what the force is and how you interact with it And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah,
1: hence the name unschooling.
0: So so you talk about these systemic issues How do you actually start chiseling away at that? How do you start breaking that down? I mean you clearly are already through the film and your PhD You've already challenged the institution by saying I'm not going to write one. I'm going to film one instead (laughs) So that's kind of it seems to me how you start to break that down But how do you do it in the context of the classroom when so many of your colleagues Aren't working through the process of unschooling. They're actually, you know, uh, working it from the complete the, the angle that you're suggesting we shouldn't be working it from. If you know what I mean, if you're yeah. turning it on its head. They're mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, still, uh, you know, kind of, you know. It sounds pretty critical to say that they're 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 uh, wallowing in the status quo, but probably on some levels there is a certain amount of that. I would think.
1: And for those people, they would probably. A lot, of, and I'm not saying that they don't do a good job. I'm not saying that they're good people and they don't care or anything like that. Like certainly, the people that I work with mm-hmm. are are great people and great teachers. In one, in in a respect, yeah. Um,
0: well, it's a different kind of teaching. What you're advocating for, right?
1: It's a totally different paradigm, really. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I think that in our board or. I think our board is the same as every other board in Ontario, but, um, you know, stuff comes down the pipe from the ministry and we, it's our job to do our job. So we just do our job. And, um, I wrestle with a lot of stuff all the time because I'm against a lot of things that comes down the pipe. I don't agree with the politics and the reasons why we do things and standardized testing for one. It's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And I've marked those tests and I know how flawed they are. And, um, Luckily, I've never had to teach grade three or six, so I've never had to be in a position where I've had to uh, promote something that I think is, can I say inherently evil? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have kind of avoided certain things, um, but I also am okay with being outspoken about the things that I do believe in, and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Sometimes it leads to awkward conversations at school, mm-hmm. um, but I would think that those awkward conversations need to happen at some point. I think that to be a teacher is kind of like it's part of our responsibility to be really critical, right? And yet, I don't think our our board or our profession really expects that. I'm kind of treading on some. Yeah uneasy well there's ground, a, but... there's a
0: system that's been accepted uh, for the time being, mm-hmm. right And mm-hmm. then you know it'll be tweaked as you you know do more research and you get more results on different standardized testing and these kinds of things. And there's certain models and theories that seem to work better than others. And I wonder um, though, if to some degree we're talking back about what you talked about before, this holistic 100% human being, right? Yeah. The words that came to mind for me were structure and manipulation. Mm -hmm. And this is where Elizabeth and I have had these conversations because I think what's happening to our children, not our children Mm -hmm. specifically, but society's children, children, the global, global children, Mm -hmm. um, is that we, we fashion them and we mold them into the, or the system does. So it's highly ideological. It's not even by design. It's not like educators around the world got around a big desk. And yes. said, hey, we're going to manipulate children and this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately it seems to me what's happening is we are kind of squashing some of those uh, uh, creative edges and, and um, that marrow
1: mm-hmm. uh, out of
0: our kids mm-hmm. and turning them into these matrix-like batteries, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere along the way.
1: And then we have all these band-aid solutions, right? So like we, uh, we've had um, a dropout rate We've always had a dropout yeah. rate, right? but the dropout rate is always something that we've tried to mend. And a number of years ago, the McGinty government brought in the Learning 218 18. Uh,
0: so it's hilarious, It's the, the 218. Yeah. yeah. What, I don't even know what that is. Sorry.
1: I don't know. I'm 30 and I'm still learning. So right, right. It's kind of stupid in that respect, but... In another respect, it, it just completely ignores all the other ways that there are to learn.
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Right. It, right.
1: So, and what about all those kids that don't go to school because they're homeschooled or they're unschooled or they're they whatever, they're on a, some sort of a gymnastics team and they spend a ton of time doing that and their school is in the evenings with a tutor or, or whatever. Just the whole Learning 218 initiative, I think, is really flawed too. And mm-hmm. um, you can present anything and make it nicely wrapped and sound really great and Mm -hmm. but you i think we really all have to be really critical not just teachers but everybody has to be really critical about the stuff that goes on and why it goes on and who um it's trying to appease and what right who are the victims and well
0: and are we are we teaching for the kids or are we kind of uh, teaching for each other in a way i wonder to what degree there's a I mean this whole idea of mediocrity it's a it's a it's a difficult one to talk about because if the moment you start talking about mediocrity you're sounding critical and you're too negative and you're the downer and and, mm-hmm. and so on but I wonder to what degree we are kind of um, pedagogically and currently satisfied with mediocrity
1: Oh yeah um, I think that we do anticipate mediocrity in a large to a large degree mm-hmm. I think we anticipate it. Um, and I think kids anticipate it because they get report cards and the report cards dictate right. their identity almost. Right. And oh they, yeah, absolutely. And they, they, Your identity
0: is tied to the A or the B or whatever. It's not the same exactly, system, but it's, exactly know, it's tied to some sort of, it's somebody else's yeah. Uh, commentary. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's troubling on some level for sure.
1: But I think that there's a huge difference between, um, learning and schooling. Right. And so a lot of kids oh, hate good. school.
0: Yes. But yeah. they love
1: to learn. And there's right. no doubt in my mind that as soon oh. as kids understand the difference, uh, because I see it all the time, like the kids who say, I hate school, I hate school, but they love to learn. If you put them in the right context, yeah. with the right yeah. support, yeah. Um, they love to learn. And Who yeah. doesn't love to learn? Who doesn't yeah. love to yeah. investigate something new? And maybe it's learning whatever they want to learn. Like maybe they don't love learning math, right. uh, but maybe they love learning how to get to the next level in video games. Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah. yeah and which yeah. is
1: problem solving just like math. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, and it's interesting that you bring that up right now. My son, Spencer, who's seven is just, he's not, well, yeah, I would say he's kind of crazy about video games and he's playing a other. couple in particular. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I hit the video game circuit, you know, I'm 47. So my, my video games were space invaders and asteroids. Yeah, Look, look them up. Yeah, they're yeah, they're yeah, pretty, yeah. uh, <laughs> prehistoric, you know, yeah. digitally. But I mean, he is so engaged in this one, uh, Clash of Clans, I believe it's called, yeah. and it's sort of this building of a fortress, mm-hmm. and he's really engaged. And so, uh, I will get these creative ideas and solutions for what he's going to do and how he's going to take it to the next level. And Dad, I've done this, and so there's this whole level of engagement for us. And the old farted me says, "Oh, Spencer, you can't play so much. You can't put so much time into a video game." Mm-hmm. And yet, it's in a way, it's kind of too early to tell, mm-hmm. right, whether mm-hmm. or not it really is a, 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 as imaginative of a creative outlet is, say, I don't know, drawing, doing a painting or reading a book or something like that. But Mm -hmm. it seems to me, like you say, there's problem-solving involved and and all these other skills that are hopefully being used. Yeah. But, you know, with everything everything comes with a cost as well, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I think that... We need to trust kids that mm. they, when they get mm-hmm. bored of it, they'll move on to something else, and no one can possibly do something well, like twenty-four hours yeah. a day forever. Yeah, I think you know that's
0: interesting. That you talk about the whole notion of trust with kids. I mean, I've always thought before I had kids that kids are pretty resilient mm-hmm. with respect to certain things, and they are actually very discerning and they do understand
1: mm-hmm. in ways
0: that we have forgotten about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense in which, you know, you talked about learning within the context of a, a supermarket and adding bananas together. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a sense in which I think kids get it. Mm-hmm. And we don't think they do. Mm-hmm. And we got to bring them along. And mm. we condescend towards them. And, well, it's for the kids, you know, yeah. after all. Right? Yeah. When in actual fact, sometimes I think it's just about making ourselves feel better, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. in, 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 in some way. Um, how Who cares if I'm an artist or not? I mean, so what? Like, why wouldn't, I mean... You know, why don't I want my son to be a mathematician? I mean, he's going to be an accountant after all, or you know, he's going to grow up to be a doctor. So, doesn't he have to learn the anatomy of the human body? And don't so we on? have
1: to be well-rounded? Is that the question?
0: Yeah, I think, <laughs> well, I think that's what I'm trying to say. I yeah, guess I'm getting with- to why uh, why do we focus so much on that? And and is it, do we dislike Plato? Disregarded the arts. He wasn't a big fan of poetry and music and so mm-hmm. on. And have we just carried that along in some way and said, you know what? It's really not valuable in and of itself.
1: Well, well can I just stop you just for a sec? Cause mm-hmm. I think that in raising creativity, the, I define the creativity or most people define creativity in, in a very broad term. So it's not about necessarily just the arts, but it's anything that, um, uh, a skill that you can, sorry, it's, um, developing something unique and novel mm. and relevant and useful. Hmm. So for example, um, you might be a mathematician or a scientist or uh, something very uh, right-brained, left-brained. right brained. Left brained. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Right. <laughs> Left brained that, um, that uses skills you know that are, that build something or develop something unique and novel and relevant and useful all the time we see that. I mean, that's where innovation comes from. Creativity is the basis for all innovation. So when I say that we need to raise creativity in schools, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, I'm not the only one saying that by right. any means, Right. but I, I'm saying this for, for everybody, regardless of what they're interested in, no matter who they are, no matter what the personality is, everybody needs to be able to, um, like a good education is something that helps you to think and process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, be able to tackle anything, come what may. Right. So we talked earlier about a formula, and with math, you were saying about how Victoria has these little formulas and stuff like that. Well, my students come to me; they're in middle school, and they come to me all the time looking for a formula for their art. And it drives me crazy because mm. I think, what have we done mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. they they think that it's perfectly acceptable to come to me and say, what do I do next? What do right, I do next? Right. Now what, now what, how do right. I make my artwork? How do I know when it's done? Is this good? I get that question all the time. Mm, right. And that question is just so philosophical. You don't know where to begin. Right. Um, so I, I do what you do. I like to respond to them with a question. We'll
0: respond with a question. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's th- great.
1: Do you think it's good? Yeah. Do you think it's done? Yeah, you know, yeah. or um, tell me
0: a little bit more about what would how you, you do, got here.
1: Exactly, what would you do next? Uh, whatever, whatever yeah, it is, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever the yeah. whatever they bring to me, that's kind of where we go with it. But um,
0: the fact that they're so willing, and I think this is problematic, and I think this is uh, uh, an indication that there's something wrong with the system that they're so willing to hand over that power to us as parents yeah. and to te- as teachers and, and authority figures. And I get it; that's kind of how it sort of has to work. I'm not saying that it doesn't have to work this way. I mean, you would have complete disorder and chaos in the classroom, right? And maybe that's what we have to get to a little bit more, but how does a teacher then, you know, Make qualitative and quantitative distinctions when your class is completely, uh, you know, it's, it's pandemonium out there, right? Well, hang on, guys. Yeah. we got to read the book now. We've got to reflect on Shakespeare. We've got to do these math problems. If everybody's out there creating and doing their own thing, right? So I get it well, why we've set the structure up this way, but again, at what cost? I,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know that it has to be that way. Mm, okay. Um, for example, something that I did um, a lot this year. Is because I'm getting more risky all the time Mm -hmm. with, as I become more informed about these certain things, um, I let them mark themselves. So self evaluation, self assessment, and I, how that works is I prompt them. Right. And these are middle school kids, right? So they're not, they're not little kids. Like they know when they've done good work. They know when they've, I think that, um, a good measure of how well someone has done is not some teacher or some adult saying you've done this well on this, get better at this. Right. For, but for somebody, um, small or young or, or old, to be able to say, I've done this well, and I need to get better on this, and here's my plan for getting better at this certain aspect, and that's where I'm going. Because certainly as an artist or as a teacher, as an adult, that's what I do, right? That's what we all do, isn't it? We, we say, I'm good at this. Um, I'm proud of myself when I did this, mm-hmm. and um, I, I want to get better at that. I need to, like, you know... I need to take some lessons here. I need to research this so that I know how to do even better next time. I need to practice, whatever it is. So I got my kids to do that all the time. Um, And in some cases, uh, whatever they said, whatever they're, and I said, well, you know, if you had to mark yourself, what would you, what mark would you give yourself? And I said, theoretically, if this was your rubric. (laughs) And I laid it all out and I taught them how to make a rubric, which for anybody that doesn't know is our, kind of our standard um, assessment tool that we use in the schools and um, I taught them how to write a rubric and I said, you know, here's the here's how you would know. A level 3 is technically how you know that you've done a really good job. Level 4 is you've done it a good job but you've added like a lot of detail. Level two is, you know, what that good job would look like, but maybe not enough detail. Right. And I just laid it out to them that way. Yeah. And I knew that none of them were going to get a level one. They'd all done a good job. Right. Um, And by the way, this project that I'm referring to is something that I had them propose to begin with, Mm -hmm. which is why I had to have them self-evaluate because.
0: And what grade grade would this be?
1: This is grade seven. Yeah. But I did this at the beginning of the year. Right. So like they were 12. Right. They were like 11 and 12 and they did it amazingly. And I let that mark stand for the report card. And I thought, why not?
0: I want to I come back to your, your um, comment about, you know, the right and the left brain thing. And I wonder to what degree that has already kind of impacted the way we think. Uh, and I wonder if this is an indication, if this is back to this whole idea of structure and system and mediocrity that we've actually taken the brain, this, you know, um, I was going to say machine of creativity, but it's <laughs> not. I don't think that's uh, fair, but... This uh, this this community of creativity and we've turned it into, into a machine. Mm-hmm. And we've said, you know what, we're gonna segment it now. So isn't that somewhat problematic already? Because we've said this portion of the brain does this, this part. So what we've done is we've systematized the brain. Mm-hmm. And we've we've compartmentalized the brain. And this part of the brain is about creativity, and this part of the brain is about other things. Mm-hmm. Well, more.
1: truthfully, what we know is that um, that it's not it's not so binary.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, this is the thing: it's polarized. It's yeah. plus and minus again. It's up and down. It's positive and negative. And here we go: you're an artist, and I'm not. I'm I'm the I'm the mathematician in the crowd, or yeah. yeah. You're the artist. Yeah. I can't I can't paint. Yeah, so we reduce I'm ourselves not... all the yeah. time, right? Yeah, it's a it's a horrible form of reductionism. Absolutely, human reductionism. Yeah. It's and we're back again. Now we're now we're seventy eight percent human.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Because yeah. because I don't create. Yeah. But I know how to solve problems. Well, I, know how to, I know how to use a scientific calculator, right? Yeah. Or, or whatever.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I have those discussions a lot with my kids too. Like, for example, um, I, was, I was a keener in school and I always got straight A's except for gym. Right. <laughs> I always got some sort of another letter in gym and try as, try as hard as I could. I never could have get, gotten an A. But And so I thought of myself as, you know, I'm not an athlete. I'm not good. I right. don't. Right. I'm not good at any of that physical stuff. And yet, I run all the time, and I go to the gym, and I enjoy exercise. And so growing up, I thought one way of myself, and now that I'm out of school and no one sort of gives me that kind of negative feedback, because I do think it's negative, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I would say it's usually more negative negative than positive, right, actually, right, in those regards. Right, right. um, I, I just know that that's not true of myself. So that's just, you know, one personal example, but
0: how do, how do you, how do you remain an artist? You know, the Picasso question. I don't think we, we really address that. How do you, you know, I think at some point in our lives, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, you know, is it 12, is it 13, is it 11? We, we, we go out of our way, it seems to squash that to mm-hmm. push that out of kids, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't dream, don't imagine and so on.
1: Be practical, uh, be practical,
0: got to get a job, mm-hmm. you know, only spend four years in university. You mm-hmm. can't, you know, certainly don't get a degree in philosophy or art.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, you <laughs> yeah.
0: know, and So both of us are virtually useless as yeah. far as society is concerned with my two degrees in philosophy and yours. I mean, so, you know, I remember, uh, I've written about this, but I remember one of my doctors years ago saying to me when she found out I was in philosophy, oh, well that in a quarter is going to get you a phone call. Right? Oh gee, you know, it's an old line. It's a cliche, but still I'd never, A, I'd never heard it. And B, it was just kind of like, wow, thanks. Appreciate, appreciate the affirmation, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, well, so how do you remain that? How do you not have that squashed? How do you, how do you fight
1: back? Well, it's interesting, right? Because um, usually people pursue the arts as a profession or as a hobby because it right. makes them happy. So going back to that human uh, that holistic view of a child or of, of anybody. We do these things because we are human. No other species can do it. So obviously we do it for some sort of a reason. It, it just mm-hmm. makes us feel good. There's something about being a human that engaging in some sort of a creative task is yep. makes us feel good. And so, and curiously enough, you know, that never winds up on a report card. Right. <laughs> Let's evaluate how happy this kid yeah. is because, yep. oh wait, yep. maybe that doesn't matter. Oh, right. Really? Right. That doesn't matter?
0: Right.
1: Yeah, so um, anyway, so in the doc, um, in one of the parts to come, I talk about, um, I talk about creativity and how you, how we, uh, what what creativity needs in order to thrive. And so three things, autonomy, support, and not having judgment. So if you're going to be creative and and creativity is really going to thrive, then you need to Opt for that task, whatever it may be, on your own volition. So it's it's you doing what you want to be doing. You have motivation behind it. There's no um, nothing coercing you. It's just it's pure enjoyment, actually. And in order to keep that going, lots of times you need support in some way. You need um, you need the environment. That will help that happen or you need people that will help you along the way so when you hit a roadblock and you don't want don't know what to do next someone will say well why don't you do it this way or what 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 would happen if you did this like something someone to prompt you or Mm -hmm. someone to fill in the blanks that you don't have on your own or or whatever it is um or someone you know a mom or a dad can buy you some art supplies if that's what you're interested in whatever it is and then when it's all done you need to not have someone over your shoulder saying, that's really good, accept, or um, why don't you try this next time, or, or whatever. Now, if this, this feedback was uh, requested by the student or the mm-hmm. artist, then that's no longer evaluation, that's actually support. Right. Right.
0: Well, it's no longer negative at that point. Exactly. And it becomes critical, which is not necessarily negative.
1: Exactly. And right. I'm not saying that criticism isn't a bad. Like, it can be a good thing. Yeah. All of these things are really tied together. They're yeah, really. They yeah. all kind of flow on top of one another and in and out in between each other. But um, if you can think about those three things, if you can think about the last time you did something that was creative that you were really happy with, it was probably something that you wanted to be doing. No one made you do it, um, and you had the tools necessary. Whatever those were, right. and and no one was there to tell you yes or no afterwards. You know, when it all when you're all done, and you ha- you were in a position where you could say, you know, I did that well or I didn't do that well. And you, if you didn't do it well, probably if it was something you were interested in from the beginning, then you probably would have kept going until it was mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. right? Because that's usually what learning what happens when you learn you you you, uh, you just keep going until you get it.
0: So, what do you what do you think? So, this structure, this system, this mediocrity, um, this ideology behind the way we learn mm-hmm. the way we're educated, it starts at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And if it makes us less human, at what cost do you think? I mean, do you get you, happiness? You, yeah, what, and what, the cost
1: of learning. It, it and, and costs com, us learning. And what about
0: what about community? What about absolutely? What about solutions to other problems potentially? What about our you know um uh, maybe maybe we would be walking on mars
1: yeah
0: <laughs> right yeah. or or whatever maybe there would be other solutions out there for for other things oh there's so Is many that...
1: people who have shut down because of the school system right and who knows who that people who who those people could have become had they had support and autonomy and and no evaluation, right? right? Had they been fostered and nurtured in in a way that makes them feel alive and feel excited about something, whatever it is. And
0: and this isn't just about being positive, right? This isn't just about, um, this is about creating an environment, isn't it? like so so you're talking about fostering and so on and i'm just yeah. thinking about the critical listener going oh great she just wants to pat everybody on the back and <laughs> isn't it wonderful and you know so on and boy she must drink a lot of ginger tea <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> no well, it's I don't... not about that necessarily right you're, you're talking about this culture this
1: i'm talking about a movement like right, i'm talking right. about um <clears throat> Just a, an entire paradigm shift. Right. We've mentioned full day kindergarten here in Ontario, and that's a really big shift to go from uh, like teacher led, uh, top down to bottom up, almost almost like kids run the show. Right. And the teacher um, facilitates them, and then and pretty much covers the curriculum from that perspective. Anyways. I don't know, why we have a curriculum for kindergarten, I'll I'll never know, because they're kids, they're so young. that, And I really think that kids can create a more exciting, engaging, um, just a more excellent curriculum many times than what some ministry can um, produce for them. In fact. <laughs> it's,
0: well, you know what's interesting to me about this whole thing is it sounds to me, you know, I, I just thought of the, the line in Blade Runner, more human than human. Mm-hmm. That's what the, 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 the Tyrell Corporation is doing. They're creating these replicants, these robots that are even more human than we are ourselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that was... Philip K. Dick's commentary on where we're going to be mm-hmm. in whatever year it was, Blade Runner was supposed to be taking place. And I think we've actually gone beyond when Blade Runner was supposed to happen, which yeah. is oh, pretty really? weird. Yeah, I think it was 2018 or something the film was oh. supposed to happen in. Um, but this idea that the robot now has become more human, the replicant is more human than we are, and mm-hmm. why did that happen? And I think Philip K. Dick would say it was about the system. It was about the squashing of creativity. I long ago? a lot of other things as well. Mm-hmm. But if it's really taking away from our humanity, what's it doing to our communities? Our ability to converse, our ability to love. How does it affect our sex lives? How does it yeah. affect the way we we behave towards others, and so on and so on? And I think, uh, I I think, I mean, at the risk of overstating, I think it, it's pretty much connected to everything. When you think at the age mm-hmm. that this kind of um, um, indoctrination starts occurring, mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of troubling.
1: Mm-hmm. And take something like technology, for example, Mm -hmm. technology can build community or it can make you sit in a room by yourself. Right. Or break it down. Exactly. Right. And, um, technology is such a hot topic in schools right now technology technology bring right. your own device you know right. be yes. you yeah. know figure it out you know every,
0: B-Y- BYOD is BYOD
1: yeah <laughs> um you know Correct. as long as yeah. you're doing it on a computer it must be 21st century work well no right. Right. um if you're if you're working on something according to a formula yeah. then you're yeah. not learning anything new you're not problem solving you're not thinking critically Yeah. you're not um oh, it's a, functioning yeah. on your own yeah. right yeah. The, the goal should be to be able to Take something and um, address it, no matter what it is, come what may. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, if we're using technology, then we don't want kids to be technicians. This is something that I'm always talking about, and I feel like I'm the only one saying it. But, um, you know, tech, I don't. We don't want kids to just be mere technicians, whether it's with technology or with anything else. You don't want them to be able to just do what a machine can do and take input and give output, take input and mm-hmm, provide mm-hmm, output. Mm-hmm. It needs to be something that. Um, a student takes input and then whatever comes out of them is unique to them because they've thought about it' using their unique right, experience right, right. and it's like something that nothing else no one else can do. And that is what a good education should should do for you, I think. It should help you to be more human.
0: yeah. Well, and I believe, you know, having spent a lot of years asking questions, I think the way to get deeper into our own humanity, or at least one way to get deeper into our own humanity is by asking better questions. And so when you're teaching, you're, you're treating Emma, who's in the film by, you know, when she says to you, Hey, was this any good? You say, well, well, tell me what you think about it or who's that guy or what is that image all about? And and I, that's what I'm doing with our kids and I, I hope it's going to work. But this idea of actually engaging them instead of saying maybe, well, maybe it's not done. Mm -hmm. You know, you can always come back to this later, you know, leaving sort of this this sense of open structure, Mm -hmm. right? So you got the page, there's your structure, now do kind of do whatever you want with it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think sometimes these things like right brain, left brain, bells in the school system going off at 902 and stand for the national anthem and all these things slowly... um, chisel away at our, our ability to love our creativity. And it sounds kind of crazy, but Foucault wrote in, uh, Michel Foucault, French philosopher wrote in a book, discipline and punish this mm-hmm. idea of our, um, the mechanization of, 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 the, of, of, the human. And, and it happens through our school systems, through our hospitals, it happens to architecture mm-hmm. it happens to our prison systems for the military and it's all about regimentation
1: this idea and this of is
0: the way systematizing you do it
1: everything. you do it this yeah.
0: you stand in line at the bank yeah. you don't step out of the line right and it's yeah. all about uh, you know I'm thinking about you know 80s music rage against the machine right now you know this whole idea that we're not going to do what you tell me Yeah. right yeah and and we're going to break away from that and i think that was a kind of in a way a response you mm-hmm. know and uh, um paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. So is it starting? I mean, all day, full day kindergarten, mm-hmm. or are we, are we years away from it?
1: Well, uh, I, I can see, and I hope this happens. I don't know. This is just sort of, I'm, I'm not informed on any sort of inner, uh, secrets or anything like that, right. but I hope what happens is that that whole, um, model for kindergarten works its way up into primary. So one to three right, and maybe even, even eventually four to six. Would have to start out with the kindergarten kids first because those kids haven't been to school yet, so they don't know what to expect. Right. It's very weird for my kids when they come to my class in grade seven and I tell them that um, we're gonna have a democratic agreement and right. we're gonna vote on everything, and democracy means one vote for everybody, and nobody's vote is stronger than another, and that includes me. Um, and so that kind of stuff's really weird to them, you know, and when they when I give them proposals for ideas and prompt their imagination, instead of saying, this is what you're doing, you know, or if I say, do you, would you guys like to publish books? And it's like, we don't have to, I'm not making you, but if you, if y'all want to, then we'll cool, let's do right, it. Right. You know, so it, it's something that they can own and they want to do and that kind of thing. I mean, if, if, if they had had that all the way along, mm. then they would expect that but the thing is is they're always they're used to the standard So, kind so of thing. can i
0: talk about that for a second so this expectation so i teach at humber college i teach postgraduate students mm-hmm. you know students that are early 20s and you know some of them into their 40s even and i don't teach when i give a lecture i will kind of present the topic, I'll maybe tell, talk a little bit about uh, what some others have said about this, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give a few points on the board, maybe show a film clip, mm-hmm. you know, basically try to create a conversation, create a dialogue around the, the issue. Mm-hmm. And at the, the beginning of the, of the term, I get really good interaction, students are really into it, et cetera, et cetera. And invariably, there's out of 80 students, there's five or six that just are deeply, oh, more than five or six, Mm -hmm. usually five or six that are very vocal about it, Mm -hmm. uh, that are just really uncomfortable with it, that I haven't told them, basically, this is it. I haven't given them the six takeaways. Mm -hmm. Here's what today's lecture was about. Boom, 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 and boom. And by the way, uh, uh, Professor Peck, not a professor at this point, but (laughs) Mr. Peck, um, do we need to study that for the test? Is it going to be on the exam? Mm -hmm. crying out loud who gives a rat's ass about the exam I mean Mm -hmm. you're at a postgraduate level Mm -hmm. this is is this still about just getting a job I mean obviously I'm living in a bit of a dream world I suppose but at the same time um, the fact that these are students that are in their mid-20s late 20s early 30s it just it's such I think sad commentary on the systems lack of creativity Mm -hmm. inability to teach students how to think Instead, mm-hmm. it's telling them what to think mm-hmm. and as if there is this six-point solution mm-hmm. to creativity or yeah. international development or whatever uh, the topic happens to be. Here's the points because the teacher said it. I, in fact, I open up my uh, classes and usually in January I teach and we've got tiered seating, you know, rake seating, 80 students. They're all focused on me and I say, guys, just so you know, I have troubles with the way this, this classroom is set up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, or so you think, mm-hmm. and I'm the guy who's going to inject all this knowledge into you. Just so you know, I believe you know more than you think you know. Yeah. And this is going to be about a two-way, three-way, and five-way conversation. Mm-hmm. And often that opens things up, but sometimes... You know, I have that conversation yeah. with my kids yeah. too. They're 12. And, and that, see, that's what, that's what I believe needs to happen. We want to have a paradigm shift occur. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start talking that way. We're going to have to start including kids more. We're going to have to start treating them more like... Trusting them. Trusting them and treating them more like... You know, like you said, this whole idea of being 100% human.
1: And it comes down to the way that teachers are taught to teach.
0: This is where the Foucault stuff comes into play and his whole idea of this form of discipline and punishment. When you add all these things up, right? Mm -hmm. We love narrative. We love the movie that ends and wraps up quite nicely. A Mm -hmm. little uncomfy, that jazz music. Mm -hmm. Much prefer the music that... You know what I mean? And you start to add this all up and you go, whoa... Now I'm starting to get a fuller picture as to why the -hmm. world is such a mess, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or why I have so much trouble loving my wife, or whatever the case might be.
1: Or why we wrestle with why our lives are so not neat and tidy all the time, and yet we have this idea somehow, ideologically, that they should be tidy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Such
1: things as a tidy life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I got this great quote that uh, we should probably wrap things up with. I'm not going to use the whole quote, but... uh, Well, actually, I will. It's W.H. on to achieve anything today, an artist has to develop a strict consciousness in respect of time, for we must never forget that we are li- constantly, I think, living in a state of siege.
1: Absolutely. Which
0: I so love. I'm not crazy about the whole, you know, yeah. war metaphor, maybe, but this idea that we're in this state of siege, I think, to keep on our toes, to be. Uh, fighting against the fight against creativity. Does yeah. that make any sense at all?
1: Yeah, I think that creativity, we have to honor it and nurture it and protect it mm-hmm. um, and protect it in a huge way um, because life will do that to you, right? Our structures, our systems will do that to you. And um, I just think it's really important for people to love their life, mm-hmm. whatever that is, and to be passionate about stuff whatever it is you know like I happen to be passionate about painting and education and, and that's just me but I know that other people are passionate about really weird things like whatever it is whatever mm-hmm. turns you on I just think that that's what's gonna light you up and that's what's gonna make your life the way it should be for you so mm-hmm. and if education isn't involved in that then education is not doing something right at all so uh, I look at a lot of kids and a lot of kids tell me they don't like school, they hate school. And I think that that's such a, a crying shame and, uh, and we can do better. We can do better than that.
0: So raise um, our uh, tagline here today, more human than human, we're going <laughs> to borrow from the Tyrell Corporation. The film is called Raising Creativity. Yep. Uh, your PhD is called raising creativity which is kind of an interesting notion and it's raisingcreativity.com is that yes, right yeah so check it out and uh there'll be more online for you to uh, check out as well thanks for uh the conversation
1: you too